All right, welcome back to the Play More Podcast. Happy 2020. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, this is episode 35. Uh, really kind of season two here. So, holy cow, we did it. We did it. We're starting next year. And uh, so I appreciate everyone who has been listening. And your comments and reviews have been awesome. Thank you. Um, Again, this is brought to you by Play It Again Sports in Kennesaw, Georgia, where we are paying you to clean out your garage. So, please, uh, you know, if you need something else in the sporting goods world, if you're looking to start a new uh, fitness uh, resolution or New Year's resolution, sell the stuff you're not using and uh, bring it on by. We'll we'll check it out and kind of go from there. little slight recap from uh, uh, 2019. We celebrated our 25th store anniversary. That was the biggest deal. That's exciting. I'm so proud of that. A um, lot of good stories, which is again why we started this podcast. Um, we added a new exterior sign out front. We're now on online with our product through uh, e-commerce and eBay and Facebook Marketplace and Sideline Swap. We got new software in the store to help make that easier on our end. Uh, man, been to a couple trade shows this year and uh, or last year um, to promote the business and, and gather inventory and get new knowledge to you know do a better job. Uh, so I went to Greenville and Las Vegas for those shows. Um, got to go surfing, which is my version of playing more. Uh, went uh, last year to Costa Rica. Went to Jacksonville and went up and down California. So that was fantastic. But, um, you know, we started this Play More podcast because we got, uh, we're privileged to get to chat with different customers that come in uh, who are, are doing just that. They're playing more, they're out and involved. Playing whatever sport they're in, they're, they're all in, they're real enthusiasts. So I'm so privileged today. I've got Michelle Burkus in the store. Hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm great. How are you? I'm really, really well. I'm so excited to sit down and chat. Um, uh, Michelle has it, uh, among other things, on her mission to, to visit all the national parks? All 62 national parks. Okay, wait, well, I thought there were like 29. <laughs> There's actually 419 oh. national park sites. Okay. Um, There's 419 national park sites. But a lot of those are historic parks, parks, battlefields, uh, things like that. And uh-huh. so my goal is to get to the 62 capital N, capital P national parks, like the Grand Canyon, Yosemite, Yellowstone, the big icons. Right on. So <laughs> you just got back from a trip. Yes. All right. Where, where was that? We went out to Colorado. That's right. Yeah. And we road tripped out there from here. It's about 20 hours. <laughs> Um, and we went snowshoeing in Rocky Mountain National Park, and then we also went to Great Sand Dunes National Park. I wouldn't, I've never heard of Great Sand Dunes National Park. It's, a lot of people haven't. Um, it's one of the newer national parks. It's really quirky. It's a gigantic sand dune. It's actually the tallest sand dune in the United States, and it's in between two mountain ranges in southern Colorado. So that used to be a body of water? Um, I'm not sure if maybe um, back when there were glaciers in that area, if um, I believe it was part of glaciers that carried sand down into the valley, and then because it's situated in between two mountain ranges, um, it becomes kind of a wind vacuum, and the wind picked up all that sand and turned it into sand dunes. It's really quirky because it's not near a bottle body of water. Um, 
I think the tallest dune is 750 feet tall. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're definitely not allowed to walk on them. You can, actually. That's what we did when Doesn't we were there. Doesn't it ruin the dune? Uh, uh, at a beach, you, you know, well, keep a lot off of, dunes. Well, a lot of the beach dunes um, are a lot more prevalent, like... Um, erosion is a lot more likely because they are near the body of water. Okay. Um, and also, I went to some dune parks this summer up in the Great Lakes where you're not supposed to walk on the dunes because they, uh, the way that the dunes have moved, they've covered over trees and then the trees die and then there's just big holes inside the dunes so you can fall into the dune. Like a crater or something. Yes, which is terrifying. <laughs> so that happened to somebody, at least at least one person. Yes. Um, a few years ago, I think it was pretty recently, an 11-year-old boy fell into the dunes at Indiana Dunes National Park and um, they rescued him, but it took a lot of effort. And so that after that happened... Like quicksand. Yes. Uh, after that happened, they closed off the dune for climbing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can yeah. you imagine how frightening that would be? Yes, I can. Because <laughs> um, I went to Sleeping Bear Dunes National, National Lakeshore, I think, or National Monument. It's not a big national park. Um, in It's in Michigan, on Lake Michigan. Lake Michigan, yeah. Yeah, and that one you're allowed to walk in the dunes. And that was my first dune national park where you're allowed to hike the dunes. And the whole time I was like making my peace with myself just in case I fall in. Because <laughs> you had heard of this already. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, what made you get into this wonderment and, and want, to, want to make this a goal? That's a great question. Um, I've always been interested in hiking in the outdoors. Um, and then I've always had a small interest in, like I said, the big iconic parks. Um, Rocky Mountain was one that I always had my eye on. And the Dry Tortugas, actually, in Florida was one that I had heard of and was really interested in. Um, and so a few years ago, I got dumped um, by a guy, and <laughs> a, it, was, it was a really Age big... Age-old saga. <laughs> right. It was a really big um, like turning point in my life yeah. where I kind of realized that I can like sit around and mope about the fact that I'm alone and single, or I can go do these things that I've been saying I'm going to do. Um, so that opened me up to solo travel. And that was when I really started hitting national parks. And the more I went to, the more I wanted to go to. Okay. <laughs> so. I have a tendency to go back to some place that I've already had a good experience with. Yes. And it's great, but a lot kind of, of people limiting do. myself. Yeah, on a lot of people do. Why? Um. I think it's part of it's the nostalgia and part of it's the comfort factor um, where people going to new national parks can sometimes be stressful because you don't know you're walking into the unknown and that's really scary and so you have to get used to being in that discomfort and a lot of people especially in America where we only have two weeks of vacation they want to go relax and they want to go somewhere where they know they're gonna have a good time Fair and enough. and I do the same thing. Um, I go back to Hilton Head a lot, which is not even a national park. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of my best friends and I go to Asheville every winter. Okay. Um, we're actually going this weekend for our third annual Asheville trip. Asheville? Um, what yeah. are you doing in, in Asheville? Hiking. Um, we go hiking and we go drink. <laughs> okay. Asheville's got a lot of craft beers and a lot of good wineries around fun, it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we Hike go. first, then drink? Yes. <laughs> That's <Okay>. the plan. <laughs> um so, um, so I understand it, but luckily I get a lot of vacation time or I have the ability to swap around my schedule to give myself vacation time. So you work time. like crazy so then you can yeah. go afford these trips. They're yes. Not, they're not 
You know, we were, I was, I've been discovering that uh, getting off the, the, uh, the grid takes a lot of money. Yes. <laughs> right? It can. Sometimes it doesn't, but sometimes it definitely can. Um, a lot of the, some of my favorite national parks are island parks where you have to pay to get on a boat to get to them. Okay. And those parks can be very expensive. Um, but then other parks you go um, and pay zero to seven dollars to camp and you drive your own car so it's gas and seven dollars a night for camping and that's how expensive your vacation is so it and whatever supplies you, you yeah you bring in. yeah now is it like a car camping deal you're like just off the parking lot or you take it in deep <laughs> a lot of the times it is car camping just because it's easier to do that sure. um yeah, but well, like the extra yeah. <laughs> you still go for your life, carry all right. your stuff just leave it right by the car <laughs> well yes <laughs> definitely um but we do backpack um i backpack i got more into backpacking this year but isle royal for example um as i mentioned earlier i think it's an island park it's in lake superior off the coast of michigan and minnesota and canada <laughs> um that park you have to backpack in that park um i know they have a lodge there that's very expensive but if you backpack it was maybe four to eight dollars a night um and you can't see the park without backpacking because it's on an island, there's no roads, um, there is no car camping. So, um, and there's a lot of experiences in national parks that you, you can't have if you're staying at your car the whole time. Sorry, I thought I had the phone out you're of the good. <laughs> This happens every time. I am gonna set this up. So what, um, when you, you set up your camp, you set up tent, you're all out there, you're, all right, you got all your gear, and then you go for a hike. Mm -hmm. What do you do with all your stuff? Just leave it. And it's everyone in that environment's pretty honest? Knock on wood. But yeah. so far I've had absolutely no problems with leaving gear behind. Um, that was one of the very first solo trip I ever took was to the Smokies, which is three hours north of Atlanta, and I went just for two nights. And that was one of the things that I didn't quite know how to navigate at that time was like, do I just leave my tent here? Um, but yeah, you... With all your stuff inside the tent? Normally, especially at parks that have bears, you can't leave You can't leave things out on picnic tables. So usually a lot of my stuff is in the car with me. So if I were to get um, like burglared at a campsite, it would be my tent and my sleeping bag and my sleeping pad mainly. That were the things that got stolen. But that's some of my most expensive gear. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> and you, uh, you have a, like a, a pad you sleep on the ground in the tent? Yes. Yeah, I actually have three now. <laughs> um, I keep buying Stacked. new ones. <laughs> no, no. Just cover the tent. Um, well, I keep buying new ones because um, they have different R values, which is the um, level of insulation that you have against the ground. Mm -hmm. And also um, for backpacking, the weight matters. So I've got one that's like my summer sleeping pad that's very, very lightweight. That's all you need. Yeah, but it's also bulky because it's one of the foam pads that folds up. Oh. Um, and then I also have... Um, I bought a new sleeping pad over the summer after I froze at Isle Royal. <laughs> um, and so That's it's a long night. Yeah, it was cold. Well, and the problem with that one was just that my feet got really wet that day. Um, and so I wasn't that 
the rest of my body wasn't that cold, but my feet were freezing. And when your feet are cold, the rest of your body can't warm up. That's correct. So, <laughs> um, so then after that trip, I came home and bought a new sleeping pad that has a much higher R value. So I can use it all year round. And it's inflatable, so it packs down smaller, but it's a little bit heavier. Um, and then I have, I've got a really old, I actually maybe have four sleeping pads. I have a really old one that I bought for like $5. Um, that's for car camping. It's great for starting out, though, if you're not serious about it, that you can get affordable gear like that. Um, and then I have another sleeping pad that's actually a double wide. It's like a queen size sleeping pad, so two people can sleep next to each other. So that way, if it if you're somewhere that's cold, you can snuggle up next to your hiking partner for extra warmth. Got the gap. In the yes, because otherwise you're going to be rolling off the side of your sleeping pad and ending up on the cold ground. <laughs> so. So, all right, so what park stands out, like, the most? So I already mentioned Dry Tortugas and Isle Royale. Those are two of my absolute favorites. And more than, like, Yosemite or something well, like I that? Well, I haven't been to Yosemite yet. Okay. Definitely more than the Grand now, Canyon. Isn't that, like, the first <laughs> The Grand designated... Canyon was one of my first ones. No, but isn't, wasn't Yosemite the absolute, like, first designated national Yosemite park? Yosemite was the third, I think. Okay. Um, Yellowstone was the first. Oh, Yellowstone, that's right. Okay. And I'm saving the first to be my last park. Um, so Yellowstone is going to be the cap off when I hit number 62. Um, yeah. Um, I haven't done Yosemite yet. Uh, but I think Sequoia was actually the second national park to be designated. Hold um, on. I think I've got this pulled up here. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> um, where was it? Okay. Recent. Uh, the Crazy Tourist. Okay. Is that what you are? I, I would call myself crazy, yes. <laughs> All right. Um, Great Smoky Mountains. This is listed by popularity. Grand Canyon. Yep. Yosemite. See, that view there looks like just spectacular to me. Yeah, I've, never, I've heard that Yosemite is like a spiritual experience right. when you go there. Um, and... I've been doing a lot of the uh, less crowded parks, and so I'm a little bit nervous to start going to the parks like Yosemite because I've done such a good job avoiding people. Just people <laughs> everywhere. Yes, Yosemite is one of the most popular parks in America, and although you probably have to book your tent site a year in advance or something, don't you? Probably. I haven't really done much research, so I'm not sure yet. But Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado was one of the most That's popular the also. One, yeah. yeah. And we were just there in December and there was almost nobody there. Is it because so, of the time of year? Yes. What if you went in September or or July. July, July is okay. the big national park month. Everybody yeah, goes so. to national yeah. parks in July. <laughs> we went to Yellowstone in July a few yep. years ago. Uh, yeah. When I was a kid, we went to Grand Canyon in July. <laughs> and there were people on yes. top of people. I'll, what I remember most about that trip is waiting in a line of traffic to get into the park. Um, because of how crazy it is to get into parks like that, which is another reason why backpacking is a great option. Um, in the Grand Canyon, it's a lot more competitive, but in other parks that have maybe more options than just doing a rim-to-rim -rim hike, which is what most people do in the Grand Canyon. What does that mean? You hike from, you start at one rim, and then you hike down into the canyon, and then up the other rim. Um, and then a lot of people will shuttle back, or you can hike back so do a rim to the second rim back to the first rim hike. How long does that take? You, for a rim to rim hike it usually only takes like three days 
Um, so it's, I a, it's a week trip if you go back there and back. Yeah, yeah. I I know some people who've done a rim to rim to rim in three days. <laughs> um, I don't they know if I would relax. do that. Yeah. <laughs> I would maybe like to spend a day at the bottom of the canyon because um, I've only ever seen it from the rim. Um, when I was a kid, we didn't hike down into it. So that's something, that's a return trip that I really would like to do. Neat. So, yeah, now that I'm a lot more confident in my hiking <laughs> ability than I was when I was 12. <laughs> so how far will you hike on a given day when you're out there? Um, anywhere from like 2 to 10 miles, um, or even 15 on some days if I'm backpacking. Um, when we were in Olympic National Park in September, um, my friend and I went... We hiked one mile down onto the beach and camped for a night, and then we hiked out of the beach and hiked into the rainforest and hiked about 10 and a half miles into the rainforest that evening. So for a total of like 12 and a half miles that day. So you're carrying your gear and just, hey, let's hole up here for the night kind Pretty of Pretty much. <laughs> Especially when he and I travel together. Um, he likes, I do a lot of like front end research before I go so that I have a good idea of uh, what campgrounds are available, um, what alternate lodging is available Yeah, because if you area. pass one campground, we'll just go to the next one, yep. and it just so happens you have that to next know one's where 15 it is. miles away. Yes. <laughs> it would be a disaster. Uh, yes, <laughs> and that almost happened to us in Olympic. Uh, we weren't, I didn't do enough research on that backpacking trail we were trying to do, um, and so we were just kind of like hiking into the night, not knowing when we were going to stop, <laughs> but, um, but it worked out. Um, but... But he likes to play it by ear a lot more than I... Well, I don't necessarily make reservations. I just do the front-end research so I know so what I'm getting myself into. Yeah. On certain um, day, let's yeah. get to here by Tuesday. Which I think is the responsible way to do it. <laughs> it must be. Yeah. But uh, we go... We just traveled for a month in September and October, and um, we had almost... I think I made one reservation ahead of time um, in the Redwoods National Park in California, Northern California, I made a reservation for a campsite there because I know how popular that park is. But other than that, we traveled for a month and didn't have reservations at all. So it, it, it's you're pretty much hiking all day then? Uh, it depends on the park. Um, a lot of the parks are really big, so you have to factor in how long you're going to be driving once you get into the park. Um, for example, Mount Rainier is huge, um, and Olympic is huge too, but we had more of an idea an Olympic of what we were going to do. So in Mount Rainier, um, you drive in for an hour, stop and hike for a few miles, and then we drove for another 45 minutes so to our campground. And circle back to your car. Yes, yeah, that we um, we just day hiked in Mount Rainier, um, and then it drove maybe another hour to another um, hiking spot and hiked seven miles that day. So it's a lot of driving too, um, especially if you're not if you're car camping and you're not in a central location to the hikes you want to do. You're driving across the park a lot, so um, there's a lot more driving that goes into it than people think. But hiking, a lot of hiking every day. <laughs> every day. Yeah. And then you have places where you make a fire at night. Um, we only actually made like two campfires for that whole month long trip. Um, I gotta make a campfire when yeah. I'm camping. <laughs> I <laughs> I tend to. Um, tire myself out all day and then go and then I just want to go to bed at night <laughs> just eat something yep what are you um, eating what are you packing sandwiches we um he and I eat sandwiches for almost every meal <laughs> when we uh when we travel so what kind of sandwich 
Um, he likes um, like a meat, cheese, and then like mayo and mustard, like really basic. Yeah. Um, and then we also bring peanut butter and jelly. And yeah. I also am a big fiend for tuna salad when I'm traveling. Okay. Because um, none. Well, Those with packets the, are so easy now. Yes, the packets and the cans, and you don't have to. Um, you don't have to refrigerate them, so right. you can just throw them in your car. Because I travel without a cooler a lot too. Um, so anything that you can bring with you that doesn't need to go in a cooler, like beef jerky, trail mix, apples, um, tuna, anything like that, um, I'm, I'm game for it and I've probably tried it. <laughs> so, so speaking of game, you, you run into anything, uh, or you get a little scared every now and then, or is there a bobcat following you or a mountain lion? <laughs> Luckily I've never run into a bobcat or a mountain lion. I don't know if I ever do want to run into either I of those. I don't think so. Um, but actually, when we were in Glacier National Park this past October, we were doing, uh, well, so the park had mostly closed by the time we got there. We were coming in right behind a big snowstorm. Um, so most of going to the Sun Road, which is the big iconic drive in that park, was closed. And so we had very limited hiking options. So we were doing this trail that is one of the most popular trails in the park because it's flat, it's only a mile, it's really easy, and it's also really pretty. So we were on that trail. Yeah, a great, a great trail. Um, for anybody can do it. It's accessible. It's one of those, um, every national park, I think, has at least one of those trails. And they're great because it makes it a lot easier for anybody of any level of exercise to go enjoy mm -hmm. a park. Um, so we're on that trail. And um, we see these people walking very fast in the opposite direction of us. <laughs> and they say, there's bear back there. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. <laughs> I've never seen a bear on a trail. So you kind of wanted um, to see it, didn't you? Yeah, and I, um, I immediately go into like a tiny bit of panic mode, but I'm like, this is okay. We're in a national park. There's tons of people around. Everything's fine. The bears are fine. friendly. Oh, the bear didn't care about us at all. It was just meandering around. Um, but luckily, there was a, a big field trip group of like 30 fifth graders with a park ranger um so i so just you're saying michelle you could you could outrun a fifth grader so you're okay yes absolutely <laughs> um so we beeline for that group of fifth graders <laughs> Shove the kid yep. for you. <laughs> sorry jimmy yep so we um we went straight up to that park ranger and said there's a bear over there um, and he gathered the group up and the real, the real reason we were going over there is because there's safety in numbers, but, <laughs> but yeah, the bear didn't care about us Pick at all. The but, straggler. Yeah. <laughs> but he was very close by and I've seen bears from my vehicle before in parks, but I had never seen one on a trail. So that was really exciting. <laughs> I stumbled across a bear in Florida, a black bear. Really? Yes. In Florida? In Florida. Yeah. Wow. Where in Florida? Port St. Joe. Okay. So we have so a, pretty far south. That's a panhandle, so yeah, um, six hours south of here. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we have a, a place down there, and I was we went fishing earlier in the day and, and caught some shark and then caught yes. a, a king mackerel. Nice. So I'm underneath the house. It's a house on pilings, you know. So I'm under there filleting it up and doing my best actually, and then you know <laughs> throw the scraps like in a. Just picture a trash can with the scraps kind of hanging out the side, you uh -oh. know, just ringing the dinner <laughs> bell. And so that night, uh, whatever time it was, you know, eight or nine o'clock, I, I go to take out some garbage from in the kitchen. I walk down the, the deck stairs and, and taking out the garbage. I kind of look, I don't know, 30 yards away and I <laughs> kind of hear just heavy lumbering, not very graceful. Oh, I'm no. Like, what is that? And the 
the lights from upstairs kind of shone down into the into the yard a little bit. And kind of, oh my gosh, that's a bear! Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the thing Yikes. lumbered <laughs> off and <laughs> just gave me pause, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, and luckily, and I was actually hiking Kennesaw Mountain yesterday and talking with one of my friends about how... I love that hike. Oh, me too. Um, Kennesaw Mountain is my first love when it comes to national parks. 1,100 foot elevation change mm-hmm. over a course of a mile, or something like that? Yeah, right? something yeah. like that. And it's in the middle of suburbia, too. <laughs> right. So it's a great little oasis. Um, I love it. I will never not love Kennesaw Mountain. Yeah, I need to get um, back over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we were talking about wildlife and national parks and how um, they're protected so they don't have the fear of people the way that Um, because she has a hunting property in South Georgia Mm -hmm. and we saw some deer and she was saying that she was surprised at how um, docile the deer are in Kennesaw Mountain and I I said well you know (laughs) they're protected so yeah (laughs) so they don't mind people (laughs) you could probably hand feed them if you got calm enough you probably could you shouldn't you You should always stay 25 yards away (laughs) but you totally could (laughs) (laughs) you're not supposed to molest the sea turtles either yeah yep (laughs) Yeah, that's um, one thing that the National Parks, uh, the National Park Service really tries to make clear, especially in the parks where there's lots of wildlife, is to stay at least 25 yards away. They say that if you can put out your thumb and cover the animal with your thumb, then you're a good distance away. It's not always possible. Sometimes they come up on you, <laughs> but right. um, you come but around a corner or something. And... Right, or there just happens to be a bear on your hiking trail. <laughs> See, I've, I've seen those, you know, those documentaries or whatever where. Know, uh, whatever, uh, you know, barely got out alive or something yeah. like that. You know, <laughs> somebody hiking and out west and just mm-hmm. come around the corner and there's a bear and the next thing you know, you know, yeah. you're in real trouble. Well, I did a hike in Alaska with my brother and his girlfriend. Um, Do you have uh, bear spray or anything? Yes, I always carry bear spray, usually even in areas where I'm not worried about bears. <laughs> because you never know, there could be some... In the big city. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you never know what kind of um, you know people you're going to cross by, too, especially when you're alone. That's so, scary. Yeah, so I just always keep my bear Did spray on that person me. on the Appalachian Trail a, a mm-hmm. year or two ago? Yeah, pretty recently. It's horrible. Yeah. Um, it happens. It's not that often. Um, yeah. If you look at statistics about people who are attacked by people in the wilderness versus in the city, yes. you're much safer in the woods. <laughs> yeah. um, but it does happen, and you always have to be aware of it. <clears throat> um, but when I was hiking in Alaska with my brother and his girlfriend, um, we, to make a long story shorter, we were doing a hike that um, it's about... Um, double the elevation of Kennesaw Mountain um, and just a little bit longer Um, right outside of Anchorage it's like a local hike and uh, we got up to the trailhead and the weather was so windy Um, and when we got to the top of the trail um, I was worried I was going to get blown off the side of the mountain because it was so windy and it was um, like kind of sleeting a little bit too Uh. so (laughs) um, but on our way up we had passed by some people who warned us of a bear that was um, just across a ridge and we could see it from where we were so we just kind of kept our eye on it as we were hiking because it was far enough away that it wasn't going to bother us 
And um, but on the way back now, how do you down, know that? I mean, they can smell. They they. It's they smell, true. Yeah. But at that. I'm curious. <laughs> maybe, but they were far enough away um, that they didn't even seem alerted to human presence, um, and we weren't the only people on the mountain okay. either. So we it were. It does make you feel better. Yeah, we were a little bit nervous, and we talked about turning around and going back, but um, but we ended up continuing hiking. But on the way back down, I was very nervous because the wind was so loud. And it was blowing toward us that um, with the sound of the wind, there's a possibility that if the bear did come closer, we would startle it. And that is a surefire way of getting attacked by bears, startling one. So did you have your spray <laughs> um, like, uh, like ready to go? Like... But here's the problem. The wind was coming toward us, so even uh, if I sprayed, sprayed it would have sprayed us. Yeah. <laughs> Don't spit into the wind. Yep. So we um, had lost sight of the bear. We weren't sure where it was. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. And um, yeah, if it's windy, you're, and we you're, didn't have a weapon. weapon is no yep. So that was really scary. Um, but do you want to hear the funniest thing? Yeah. So my brother had brought a camera with him on that hike and took a picture of the bear. When we got home, we um, zoomed in really close on the bear, and you want to know what it actually was? It was a moose. <laughs> so there was no um, no danger at all. <laughs> moose are kind of dangerous, aren't they? They can be. Um, but not like a bear. Well, in Alaska, they say that you should be more scared of moose in the spring and bears in the fall because bears are getting ready for hibernation in the fall, so they're foraging and they're more active. And uh, moose don't hibernate, so they're more scary in the spring because they've been up all they're winter starving. not eating. Yeah, and they're just hangry, <laughs> looking for a fight. <laughs> <laughs> It'll make anybody. Yep. <laughs> I can identify with that. So is there any other kind of weapon you can carry? Um, it depends on the park you're in. Packing a gun. Um, yeah, in Alaska, almost everyone carries a gun. Um, Alaska, for sure. I don't personally um, usually carry a gun with me when I'm... Um, in the woods, but sometimes people that I hike with do. Um, but to me, bear spray is the best weapon anyway. Um, have you have you sprayed it? No, just I haven't. To try it? <laughs> I've thought about it, but like it sprays. Your hey, let's just try yeah. it on you. <laughs> it's um, it's got like ten times the potency of uh, pepper spray, and it sprays like three times farther. Yeah. So I don't want to spray it and then have it just be in the air, and you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so no, I haven't sprayed my bear spray yet. <laughs> what do they tell you to kind of aim down low? So yeah. Over their head. Yeah, they tell you to aim kind of toward the ground. Because um, it'll just come off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then it won't dissipate into the air above them. So. When we were kids, uh, I don't know this. I was I was an infant, but my you know mom and dad always told us, and my mom especially, the horror of we were in uh, uh, Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a bear that was pushing his nose up against our tent. Whoa. And she said she could hear the, the heavy breathing and kind of snorting. And, and, you know, my dad's like, you know, I'm going to go out there. And, and she's like, don't go out there. You know? <laughs> and, and seriously, what do you do at that point? There's three small kids in the tent. Don't wake them. It might startle them, which yeah. would startle, startle us, which would startle the bear. Or if you go out, is it worse? Uh Wow, that's so, quite the predicament. Yeah, I think the thing from the story is I remember being told to me that, you know, bear moved on its way, and first light, we were packed up. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> <And> yeah. <laughs> Yikes. I. It might happen to me one day. With the probability of how often I spend time in the woods, you would think something like that's going to happen to me in my lifetime, but I hope not. 
it'll be the one-off person who goes yeah. out there. <laughs> yeah. So where's the next place you want to head? So um, I'm planning another trip to Alaska. Um, so there's eight national parks in Alaska, and I've been to three of them so far. Um, so hope I'm hoping to hit two more. Um, Glacier Bay is on my mind right now. Um, Glacier Bay is probably the most visited national park in Alaska because it's in the Inside Passage, so it's on cruise routes. Okay. Um, so a lot of people um, cruise to Alaska have been to Glacier Bay. Um, cruise stop, they go out yep. and do a hike, and come yep. back, and yep. Um, and it's a great place to see um, humpback whales um, and seals and sea lions and all kinds of uh, ocean wildlife. Um, so that's one that we're thinking about doing. And then um, Lake Clark is also on my mind, which is one that almost no one's heard of. Um, if you have seen the um, like iconic picture of the bear catching salmon in his mouth, yeah. that's at Katmai National Park, and Lake Clark is right next door, basically. Um, and uh, we're thinking about doing some backpacking um, in that park. It's one of the like wilderness parks where there's not any roads that lead into it, so you have to bush plane into it. Um, so we're thinking about doing that and hiking around a little bit out there. You've been to... 28? 28, yep. 28 national parks you've yep. personally been to. Yep, 28 out of 62. And this is my year to hit halfway. I'm almost definitely going to go to three more parks this year. Three parks in a so, year. So, well, last year I went to 16 parks. Okay, that's what I thought. You know, <laughs> yeah. so, so You really ramped up and yeah. picked up the pace on this thing. Yes. Um, well, and so in my month-long road trip uh, in September and October, that trip alone I think I hit eight parks because um, I went out, we did the Pacific Northwest Parks, so the two in Northern California, one in Oregon, three in Washington, Glacier National Park in Montana, and then on the drive home, we went to Theodore Roosevelt National Park in North Dakota, um, which is another park most people don't know about because nobody goes to, on vacation to North Dakota. <laughs> um, it's just like Badlands in South Dakota, um, but the Badlands are colored a little bit different because of geology. <laughs> so but bison everywhere. It's a beautiful park. Um, so this year I'm planning... Your life feels so much more enriched than mine. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting here like, I do my fun things, but uh, you're really not taking advantage true. of it. It's so wonderful. It's inspiring. Well, thank you. Um, I try and <laughs> um, really hard to get out there. And like I said at the beginning, um, a lot of people go on vacations that are comfortable, and I like to do that too, but going to national parks has just... Like I said, every time I go to one, I add like five more things I want to do when I go back to that park and three more perks that I want to see. That's <laughs> so. the thing, because wherever <laughs> I go, I can't check everything off the list in mm -hmm. that area. So, uh. I have a running list of um, things for the parks I've already been to, the things that I found out about when I was in the park that I want to go back and do that I just didn't have time to do the first time. Um, so... So this the 16 parks that I visited this year, 14 of them were new parks to me that I hadn't been to, and two of them were return visits. Um, and I still have things I want to do in those two parks that I went back to. <laughs> Never make it to another park. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. when we did Yellowstone, we had we did it like in a whirlwind day in a car. Really? Yeah. So, wow. So like we went, uh, thank goodness we went, we came in from the south mm -hmm. and uh, uh, went counter, or no, we went clockwise but starting at six o'clock we went clockwise <laughs> and went around and luckily yeah. looked, I think everyone was kind of going the other way that day oh that's nice so it worked pretty well we didn't get hung up in traffic we could rip up to the next kind of 
thing to look at yeah. and park and then and then do you know the hike around yeah. and go go see whatever and then, see old faithful see the grand uh, yeah, okay, boom. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's go yeah <laughs> you can check it off and <laughs> well and i've done national park visits like that too um, and there are some parks that I only spent a day in that I felt I feel very fulfilled by my yeah, like one day that I went to. Yeah. I mean, I really we hit. We had the map. Yeah. <laughs> and went and like I said, we stopped at each one and mm-hmm. you know read the plaque and you know yeah. to the little you know hut or the museum part of it or the little sh- shop and then and then yeah hiked around the old faithful. They had the little trails of the this or that. And, yeah. Well, and, and the uh, way Yellowstone is set up, um, Yellowstone. Um, they kind of built the infrastructure for that park in order for visitors to be able to see as much as they can from the road. So that's a great park for um, visitors, especially visitors that don't necessarily want to do a lot of hiking. You can see a lot of that big stuff from uh, your drive through the park. Um, so that's a great one. I haven't been there yet, so I don't know. <laughs> um, but from what you I need do... need some tips. Just let me yeah. know. I got you. <laughs> well, that one, since that one's going to be my like crown jewel on the top of my um, my whole expedition um i'm planning to spend at least like two weeks in that park alone can't imagine. so yeah <laughs> one of my neighbors uh, a, a friend of my daughter's uh, uh actually the older brother um but he he's been like a ranger last mm-hmm. couple years uh, that's awesome out there i mean just imagine yeah showed him he, he sent a video of him like skateboarding down this long <laughs> road you know and he's yeah. got a good beard going and and doing whatever's necessary that's awesome so are you involved in any like trail repairs? Are you in any groups that... Uh, uh... So that's one thing that this year um, I've been real, it's been really like heavy on my mind that I need to get more involved in that kind of stuff, especially since I'm nearing the halfway point of my journey. Um, I really started to like realize that I need to be giving back more than I am. So I actually... Um, it's volunteer.gov is the website you can go to where they have all of their volunteer listings. Um, and I fl- applied to a few of them the other day. <laughs> so um, we'll see. But a lot of them... Here as, locally? Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I applied to one on Cumberland Island. Um, I'm not sure if it'll work with my schedule since it's a little farther away. Um, but that's something that I really want to start incorporating into my um, my larger travels, too, is when they have, like... Um, like trail cleanup days and things like that, mm-hmm. um, that I go and do some of those things while I'm traveling also. Because, um, you know, these parks have been so meaningful to me that I want them to stay forever. <laughs> yeah, I just cherish them. There was a gentleman here the other day who um, we were talking about the Appalachian Trail because uh, uh, Eric here has, has hiked the Appalachian Trail. Him and his wife, they, they through hiked it. Wow, good for them. Yeah, I mean, That's it's a feat. <laughs> so amazing. Episode number five in the Playmore podcast, if you want to listen in. <laughs> but it is worth listening to because, I mean, think of that. I mean, like 2,000, mm-hmm. probably more than 2,000 miles. Yeah, I think it's 2,000 like, miles if you don't dart off to the town or... or I think the, it's actually like 2,200 miles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's. A long trail. <laughs> yeah, that's just the trail. But yeah. what what he was reminding me, like, okay, you get up, set up camp, now you gotta run down to the stream and mm-hmm. you come back and then you gotta <laughs> go up here and come back or you're okay, walk into town which might be right next to the trail or it yeah. might be two miles away or whatever. So <laughs> possibly three thousand miles by the time you're all set right. done. Yeah. And uh just so cool. But the gentleman was talking about yeah, the age Appalachian Trail has you know, thousands of volunteers, whatever, and people for different sections. But he and his group 
uh, take care of some of the offshoots that not the nice. not the right yeah. not the well traveled trails so they you know they need a lot of work and yeah and uh, I, I don't know you might know what kind of work would be needed on a like erosion control or pick up trash? Yes, or? there's a lot of erosion control that goes into hiking trails, um, especially um, on very popular trails like sections of the AT um, and a lot of the like very popular hikes in the national parks. Um, people make things called social trails where um, if you've got a section of switchbacks, instead of going the extra miles to um, switch back up a mountain, people will try and go straight up or straight down. And um, that is... It's a no-no. Oh, it's terrible for uh, the trail because now you're eroding the trail because um, the switchbacks are there to keep the ground um, you know, in place, but you're also trampling over the vegetation in the area too. And if just one person did it, that's one thing. But on trails that are so popular, you've got thousands of people who are following on that social trail every day. Um, so, and when I was in Lassen Volcanic National Park in... Uh, Northern California, you can actually see a scar of a social trail um, up Lassen Peak, which is the tallest peak in the park, um, where there's a section of switchbacks, but you can see this scar up the side of the mountain where people decided to just go their own way. Um, so that's a really big issue. But also when you're going off the trail like that and trampling on, um, on the local vegetation, you might have um, like microscopic uh, non-native species on your shoes. So you're introducing new species to that area that didn't exist there before, and they might take over like the kudzu in Georgia did. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it can ruin um, like whole areas of um, a park or a trail that um, it's, some people call it loved to death um, with trails like that. So that's a big, um, a big thing that they use volunteers for is like revegetation and trail maintenance and things like that. So what does a person need to do if, uh, if they want to follow your lead and say, okay, I've got a trip coming up. What kind of preparations do you do? For, for starters, you get, you've got a flexible work job schedule. Yes, I have a very flexible schedule um, as far as um, I can pretty much take, I don't want to say I can take as much time off as I want, but I traveled for 10 weeks last year. <laughs> so um, I get a pretty good amount of time. but. Honestly, the main thing for me was mindset. Um, you just have to tell yourself like, okay, I'm gonna do this thing. And, and schedule it's, it. Yep, yep, you just have to schedule it. And then as it comes up and you start getting more anxiety, <laughs> you just have to ignore it and go. <laughs> well, you know, my little surf trips I go on and they're, you know, five days, mm -hmm. maybe a week. But I've gone at the slowest times of the year in mm -hmm. my store, which, I have no business leaving that. Yeah. <laughs> and I've gone at the absolute crux of the busiest times of year, <laughs> which I have no business leaving that. And I, you know, we schedule it, try to get, you know, a group of, group of guys, all, all our mm -hmm. schedules worked out. Okay, these dates will work and sometime in the future. And, uh, you know, leading up to that, I'm in near panic mode yep. with everything I need to get done. Yes. To make sure I can feel, you know, semi-comfortable leaving. Yes. And, uh, and you, you never know. get it all done, do you? <laughs> well, you know what I find, actually? Uh, you know, you'll never get it all done in anything you do, so no need to worry about it, I guess. But, right. <laughs> uh, uh, for me, you knowing I got to get away, I'm in hyperdrive, so I, I, have, I check 
everything off the list that I need to go. I need to call this person, follow up with this, mm-hmm. fill out this form, sign up for this new venture, um, answer all these 200 emails and, and just rip through all of this <laughs> and, and, and actually get all of that done so I can go away. And then when I come back and I'm, you know, I'm not off the grid. Anytime I go away, I'm still, you know, answering emails and putting mm-hmm. out fires and things like that. But, uh, you know, when I get back, there's, there's things to do, but I look at that arc over the, over the month, you know, the prior to, you know, dipping out for a week and then, you know, just post vacation, if you want to call it. But it, to me, it's, it's more than just vacation. I'm out there, you know, like you are hiking yeah. and, and trying to see something. I'm out there, you know, trying to satisfy my surfage. But I end up getting more done in, over the same time is what I'm yeah. trying to say. And it's, I feel like, man, if I wouldn't have scheduled that time to go away, I would have just kind of coasted through yeah. day to day and probably not gotten as much done had I not taken the time off. Mm-hmm. I always, um, I tend to schedule all of my appointments like two weeks before a trip. So anything um, I need to get done gets done in those two weeks. And then the other thing is like, um, I like to try and like make my bed before I go for like on a vacation and have clean sheets. Got to come back to a clean yep. house. Yep. Yeah. But that's the stuff that gets pushed under the rug for me. Um, I tend to make a huge mess trying to get all of my gear together before I leave so I come back and there's just gear strewn everywhere. Uh, <laughs> not me. I got to I got to come back to, to nothing. Yeah. I try really hard and I haven't pulled it off yet. Cuz it, it, it takes that week or that 10 weeks however long you're gone to get get rid of all the violence in your mind and then yep. introduce all the peace back in and yes. come back to stress. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, well, and for me a lot of it is um So I don't actually have 10 weeks worth of vacation days that I take. Um, I work shift work, so I will swap a shift with somebody else where they'll work the days for me so that I can travel, and I end up working extra hours. So I try and... I'm a 911 dispatcher. Okay. Um, so I try to schedule all of 911, my... 911, help! Yep. Help! <laughs> Michelle, where yep. are you? Yep. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not answering the phone today. <laughs> if this is an emergency... Yeah. <laughs> Call someone else. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but right. I try and schedule all my swap shifts. otherwise. Yes. Especially in something like that, it's got to be high stress kind yes. of gig. Yes, it's really hard to... Um, is any type of first responder job, um, you exist in a heightened level of stress, um, just an ongoing heightened level of stress. So your baseline of stress is higher than most other people's. It's gotta be. Um, yeah. I imagine teachers probably exist at a heightened level of stress too. For sure. But, um, but it's a lot harder to get back to, um, a normal baseline when you work in that kind of, um, position. So, um, traveling more and getting away more is, I would say it's imperative. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, it's not necessarily always the answer, but just getting away from it and, um, you know, not existing in a situation of emergency <laughs> is really important. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, um, but I try and schedule all my swap days before I leave. Mm-hmm. So I'm working double time leading up to my vacation. And then when I come home, I can be on a normal schedule usually. And then I just end up working more swaps for my next trip. So. <laughs> Do you try to space your trips out, or there times yeah. of year that work better? Uh, so, so three trips coming up this year, hopefully, maybe more. Yeah. But, uh, so last year, um, I traveled for two weeks in the end of March. Um, we went out to um, Big Bend in Texas, uh-huh. and then 
I traveled for two weeks in June, and that's when I went up to um, Isle Royale and Lake Superior and went backpacking up there. Um, and I guess I should say, during my Big Bend trip, I also went to Gateway Arch in Missouri and um, Hot Springs in Arkansas. Um, and then when I did Isle Royale, I also went to Voyagers in Minnesota and Indiana Dunes in Indiana. Um, and then over my uh, month off... So in if anyone's Sp- looking for a high-mileage car... Uh, Michelle might have one for you. Yes. I'm trying to get my car to 250,000 miles. You're not there yet? It sounds like you'd be the I'm at 220 right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then um, my month off in September and October was the Pacific Northwest, the parks that I said earlier. Um, California, Oregon, Washington, Montana, and North Dakota. And then two weeks in December um, was just Colorado, and we did Rocky Mountain and Great Sand Dunes. Jeez. So that was my my national parks for the year. <laughs> we we had a gentleman on, on our on our show here um, who, who who rolled in here on a Thursday, and I got to sit down with him on a Friday. He was leaving Sunday mm-hmm. to go to the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. In the back of his pickup truck, or in his pickup truck, to drive out there, and just his gear was in the back of the truck. Yep. He was gonna buy a hunk of land. Two acres, 40 acres, I didn't know. He was just going to find something. He had kind of a general area he wanted to uh-huh. try to secure something. And then, okay, got it. And then kind of build a shelter over the back of his pickup. Yeah. To uh, to survive the winter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then call for his family to come out in the in the spring. Yeah. And That's holy awesome. cow, I can't wait to talk to him when he, when he passes back through. Let me see if I can... Remember the uh, which episode that that was, but uh, Sue, oh, he called Into the Wild, episode number number twenty seven. That's awesome. And uh, it was uh, really really awesome awesome dude, um, James Willis. That's right. I couldn't think of it right off the top of my head, but uh, so yeah, check out episode twenty seven. It's right yeah, up your definitely. alley. <laughs> and number five is right up your alley with the hike in the the eighteen. Yes, so, so getting your mindset right, that's yes. that's priority one for anybody to say, okay, I'm stress covered. Oh my gosh, it's a new year, good time for this, right? Yes, and so absolutely. What, what do I want to, how can I play more this year yeah. and, 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 you know, probably ensure a longer life yeah. by, by taking a little time out? I, yes. I call it pulling the RV over. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's time to, time to just stop. Yeah. You know, go crazy otherwise. Well, and the thing is, um, you can't wait until you're prepared. Um, if you feel unprepared, go anyway. Um, if you feel stressed about it and you have travel anxiety, go anyway. Um, if you're like a little bit nervous, and when I say unprepared, I don't mean completely unprepared. Bring your tent, do a little bit of research. Um, if you've yeah. never hiked before, don't try and hike 15 miles. <laughs> um, but and national parks are a great place to start if you're trying to get into the woods for the first time too, because the park rangers are always super helpful. Um, they've got great visitor centers that have tons of information and good maps. Um, so yeah, go anyway. Um, no matter what your excuses are, I mean, set them to the side memory, and go anyway. A lifelong memory. Yeah. And what are the odds that something really bad's going to happen? I mean, <laughs> it's worse sitting on your couch at home. You yep. sit at work all day and go home and sit. Yep. You're killing yourself faster than yep. worried about that bear hiding <laughs> or whatever. Yes. <laughs> so, so a friend of mine, uh, he used to own the Played Against Sports in Salem, Oregon. Okay. And he got into snowshoeing. Yes. And uh, 
So he used to go snowshoeing, you know, he'd done it a few times and was getting into it. And That's so he, where I'm at right now. <laughs> really? Yeah, we went snowshoeing for the first time in Rocky Mountain in um, December, and it sucked. I've never done it. Oh, is it lumbering and hard? It's, yeah, well, uh, we were at the high elevation, so I already couldn't really breathe that well. Um, and then walk, yes, um, stopping like every 10 second, 10 steps to breathe. Um, but then also walking through snow is a little bit similar to walking through sand, um, snow where work. the steps just take extra effort. Um, so it was, we saw some really beautiful things, um, really beautiful frozen lakes and everything. Um, but it's definitely something that I'm working on. <laughs> so he gets into this, he, he gets a, a new buddy a friend, Hey, uh -huh. come on, we'll go snowshoeing, whatever. Saturday or Sunday morning, whatever, picks them up at four in the morning or whatever. They get to the, <laughs> the park at whatever, six in the morning. And uh, they, you know, lock their car up and start snowshoeing into the park. And he'd, he'd been there before. He snowshoed however many miles in. And there's a, there's a little cabin in there that's maintained by the park district or whatever. And, uh, you know, they have some firewood. You can make a fire. You can change out of your sweaty clothes and put a, a, a fresh layer on and with your little propane burner, make yep. a little soup or something. <laughs> and okay, let's hike back, you know, you know, afternoon. So apparently it had been like snowing like crazy uh -oh. the whole way in. Mm -hmm. And, and then while they're in there taking their break, really heavy flakes and just kept snowing and snowing and snowing. So oh, they no. finally turned it around to go head back to their car. You know, they're hiking. And the new guy, yeah. I can't go any further. That was me. <laughs> and so he's like, okay, kind of tapping his snowshoes, like tapping yeah. his toes, you know, like, oh, ah, yeah, just take it easy, you know, just, it's okay, just, just mm -hmm. rest with, give it a second. So however many minutes he, they chill, they start to go back up and he goes like five more steps. I can't do it. And he's starting to panic. Yeah. And, and my, my buddy who had been there before kind of got lost yeah, well, because of the snowfall. Yes, they covered up the trail. Right, and, yeah. and he's like, I think it's just just over this next yeah. ridge. <laughs> and, then, uh, and so it got to the point where, fast forward, the, the, the guy just gave up, and this is okay. Now we're stuck. Jimmy can't go any further. Now uh -oh. what? Seriously, now what? There's yeah. nobody around. It's late in the afternoon. yeah. Okay, uh, we had a situation here, so they, they cell phone in, call his wife, and then you know, so she's calling the park district, and and, and he's trying to contact them uh, to to try and figure out, you know, what to do. Mm -hmm. And so they first of all they say, well, don't do anything that make you sweat. <laughs> he's, he's already you know like yep. <laughs> dripping with sweat. So they hole up under this big pine tree, and the story basically, I mean. You know, it, it one it, and they had it took forever because they couldn't figure out whose responsibility or whose jurisdiction it was to go oh. rescue them because oh, they were no. in a part of the park that you couldn't have motorized vehicles. Oh no! So this is going on for hours, right? Yeah. And and so they okay, uh, you know, turn your phone off, and we'll, we'll we'll call you, or at least you know, don't make any more calls. We'll we'll call once an hour. You know, but yeah. conserve your battery. Hmm. So at some point he drops his phone into the snow, loses it, can't find it for the hour until it rings that next hour, and then he can kind of see the light. It's a huge snow. disaster. Oh my gosh, yeah. So he saved the phone an hour later. Tried to get the little little stove going with the little thing, a, a little thing to make some soup or something, mm -hmm. and, and uh, 
I guess a, a, a snow cap fell off the, the, pine, <laughs> the pine tree onto the top of the burner, snuffed that out. And then eventually it's, you know, fast forward, it's it's two in the morning, you know, the next morning. Wow. And they can finally see the rescue crews coming across from however far away, but GPS, I guess, only gets you so close. So yeah. they still had to... You know, make noise and yeah. help. <laughs> so they finally got rescued. <laughs> wow. Yeah, for Christmas, uh, my mom gave me a personal locator beacon. Um, yeah. So, And the one she gave me, um, it's not... A lot of them, there's all kinds of um, like GPSs and personal locator beacons and things like that that are out on the market um, where you can like send messages back and forth with people on a lot of them. Mm-hmm. But the one she gave me is just purely an emergency button. Um, Look so, for the dot. Yes, it is the "I need you to airlift me out of here" button. Um, so, <laughs> well, and with you know the upcoming trip to is Alaska, is that on the whole time, or do you have to like hit a button like a you know? Um, you carry oh, it with you. I can't get up. Yeah, you carry it with you. So um, you have to register it on a website. So mm-hmm. you have your information in there, and then um, you carry it with you, and you hit a button if you know you're in the back country and you break your hip and <laughs> can't go any farther. I actually, um, when I was in Wrangell St. Elias in Alaska, um, was out hiking on a glacier and we saw a group um, who was ice climbing and they had an accident out there and they had to, um, we saw them from afar with somebody on a stretcher walking them off of the glacier and then once you're off the glacier it's still a two mile hike back to air quote civilization and then from there it's a 90 mile dirt road back to the main road and then from there just picture some guy with a broken yeah. bone and bouncing on a yes. road how painful and then just... from there it's still a five-hour drive to anchorage which is the nearest hospital um Gosh. so they had the option to either drive him um eight or nine hours into anchorage um on a dirt road <laughs> with um screaming pain like i picture yes. him just laying there biting on his belt just yes. <laughs> <laughs> Or pay like thirty thousand dollars to get a helicopter out there to rescue him. So it might not have been thirty, but it was a a very big price tag. Um, so and that's um, really scary, but you know, it happens. <laughs> so my goal is to not continue to push myself out I think of my comfort carrying zone. Carrying somebody but, out there, okay, yeah. two people on well, a makeshift. Uh... Luckily, they had um, a stretcher that had wheels, and they had a group of like ten people. Um, Rotate every 200 yards. Yeah. Well, and we, uh, when we hiked off the glacier, we passed them on the trail and asked them if they needed help, and they said they were fine. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's funny. Well, it's not funny. It's <laughs> ironic because um, I almost, I thought about joining that ice climbing group that day because um, that's something that I'm, like, kind of interested in but not okay. sure if I can handle it. Um, and I thought about joining that group, and I ended up, um, not doing it and just hiking that day instead. And so, you know, I could have been a part of that. Um, so once you're out there, there's an other options and subgroups that are, Hey, we're doing this today or, yeah. or the next two days. Well, and that was one, okay. um, Wrangell St. Elias is another like kind of backcountry park in um, Alaska. It's the biggest national park in the system. You can fit Connecticut, Montana, and Maine all in the park. Um, because that's how big it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so that was one where I wasn't quite comfortable doing stuff on my own because I'd never hiked on a glacier before. 
Um, so I did some research ahead of time and joined a guided hike. Mm. Um, so, and they have like a few guided groups that guide out of, um, out of that park. So you can do anything. And there's tons of mountains actually in that range that have never been summited before. Um, so they do some like guided, like first ascents. Um, yeah, which is something that I'm maybe interested in doing one day. (laughs) Oh, you should. So, so I had booked that guided hike before I even got out there. Mm -hmm. So, um, but eventually I will try ice climbing, um, because I like to go, when I go to a park, I like to kind of do enough research ahead of time to know what like the big thing is that people do. Yeah. And then, um. So Biscayne National Park in Florida is like almost, I think it's 95% water and the 5% that is land is islands. So you have to get out onto the water in that park. So that was one where I went snorkeling and paddleboarding, um, which was amazing. That was one of the parks I said earlier that there are some parks that I spent one day in and feel very fulfilled by the visits. Mm-hmm. That was a park that I, I only spent a day there and it was amazing. Oh yeah. Um, I. I'll probably go back to the South Florida parks. Where is, is it all in South Florida? Yeah. Um, so Biscayne um, National Park is just south of Miami. So you can see the Miami skyline from the water because it's in Biscayne Bay. Is that in the Everglades? It's right next to the Everglades. Okay. Um, so the Everglades, it's about a half hour drive from the Everglades. Okay. Um, so Everglades is like the southern tip of, um, of Florida. It's actually one of the biggest national parks in the system, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Have you Biscayne. Been there? Yes. Okay. I've done all three of the parks in Florida. Yeah. Um, and then Dry Tortugas is the other one, which is one of my favorite parks. Um, but Biscayne is right just east of the Everglades. So. Okay. Did you see any? Snakes or... Um, so I, in the Everglades, I saw a ton of manatees, um, which was... Very cool. Yes, it was awesome. And alligators and birds and all kinds of things. Alligators everywhere. Oh, everywhere. Um, and then in Biscayne, um, I saw sharks, which was really exciting from my paddleboard. From your paddleboard. From my paddleboard. It was awesome. Um, I paddleboarded over just a ton. All of a sudden looked down and we're just thousands of jellyfish yes um uh, but so, there's like globe ones i guess are, are are safe but it was still so disconcerting yeah we saw um they actually there's a um a species of jellyfish that like to sit upside down in the water um oh. that i had a bunch of fishermen had told me about it like a few days prior and i thought they were like pulling my leg because we were like out at a bar and i thought they were like just trying to mess with me uh-huh. it turns out they were real and uh-huh. i saw a bunch of them from my paddleboard <laughs> See some things you don't wish you didn't see sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and some stingrays and um, sea cucumbers and sea sponges, all kinds of stuff. Um, if you're in Biscayne Bay ever, you have to go to Jones Lagoon. Okay. Jones Lagoon is the place to be in Biscayne National Park. Um, wow. Because that's where all the wildlife is. Okay. Um, it's a little... Um, since it's a lagoon, it's uh, surrounded by mangrove forests, so it's not right on the coast, um, but it's also not an open water, so it's kind of a little haven for wildlife, um, and it's far enough away from like cars and people that it's not as trafficked as some of the other areas in the nice. park. Um, so it's a great spot to go see. All the wildlife I just listed, that was all in Jones Lagoon. Um, and there's some, if you're a birder, which I'm not really, but I know a lot of people who are, um, there's a lot of, um, like bird, bird nests that are out there of like roseated spoonbills and things like that, that are all really pretty. Um, so it's a great place for, for that also. Um, and then in dry tortugas, which is 70 miles off the coast of Key West, 
Um, they have a protected um, nesting ground there too for magnificent frigate birds. Um, frigate birds. Yeah. <laughs> the bullies of the sky. Is that right? But, yeah. <laughs> what do they do? Um, they steal other birds' food. Ah. Um, I, I think, but um, they actually migrate from Africa, I believe, like from the western coast of Africa all the way to um, the Caribbean and have nesting grounds in the dry tortugas, like, specifically to nest. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, which is crazy. And they go back? Yeah. And they just fly across the ocean. I can't believe it. Um, I can't imagine a bird flying for that long. Um, But, yeah, so that was really cool, too. Um, And then that was probably the coolest wildlife that I saw in dry tortugas. And then they've also got a ton of hermit crabs and things, too, which are really cute. But... (laughs) What's the lamest park you went to? Oh, easy. Gateway Arch National Park in Missouri. Um, should not be a national park. It's actually the way You'd that... You'd be better off just seeing the Arch in St. Louis. Uh, well, that's what it is. It's the Arch in St. Louis. The man-made one, though. Yes. No, that's what you're talking about? That's, that's what I'm nat- talking about. It's a national park now. That's a national park? Right? It's not very natural. No, it's not at all. It's a city park. Um, I've been so, inside there. Um, cool. Oh, you have? Mm-hmm. I haven't, I've been to the park, but I haven't gone up in the Arch. Um, so the way that national parks are designated is all very political. Um, a national monument can be designated by the president. So, um, I know Obama designated a ton of national monuments. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure about this administration. I'm sure they probably have, and I, I'm just not familiar with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and so national monuments, since they're designated by the president, it's really easy to, and we've seen this with bears ears and things like that. It's really easy to, um, kind of like take away the designation or, um, like take land away from them and things like that. But with a national park, it's designated by Congress, which makes it a lot more permanent, um, because it's really hard to walk back something that Congress does, but it's all these men in Washington, DC who are making these decisions who don't necessarily, I think, know that much about the national parks. I'm sure they probably do. I should give them more credit. But um, so they're the ones who designated Gateway Arch. Um, They're the ones who made that decision. And most people who are national parks people, including the director of the National Park Service, advised against it. And it still happened. So it's only... So you checked it off early. So you don't have to save that for the last one. Yeah. Well, in Missouri, if you're doing a road trip out west, um, you almost have to go through St. Louis. Um, so I've been... So it wasn't out of the way too much for exactly. you. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So I drove through St. Louis a few times this year, actually. What did they call that? The, the gateway? The, gateway that, Arch. Oh, yeah. The Gateway, gateway to, the to the West. Yeah. West, yeah. <laughs> um, but Gateway Arch National Park is only 92 acres. Um, I think most of that is even owned by the city. It's not even owned by the National Park Service. So it's just a field? <laughs> yeah. It's just like a city park. It's... I am, yeah. So, so there you go. You didn't camp out there. The, no, not at all. We passed through. Arch. Yeah. <laughs> No. <laughs> wild. All right, so um, you, you've kept a, a, a blog and things as you go? Yes. Um, so you, let, what you mentioned that, was it, is it, you've got several things. I couldn't even keep yeah. up with it. So you headalongwithheart.com. Headalongwithheart.com is my blog, which is where I write, like, my Super trip cool. reports. Okay, um, so people can listen into that and get advice. And yes. They're going somewhere. Is it broken up by the places you go to? Yes. Oh, um, yeah. I do a post for each national park that I visit where I go over exactly what I did in that park um, what I would maybe do differently, and then um, usually some general like tips and kind of an introduction to the park. Um, and then I also am active on Instagram. Um, at Head Along With Heart. At Head Along With Heart. 
Um, and since my blog is a lot more in-depth, it takes me a lot longer to write blog posts. So if you're wanting like real time, what's what I'm doing, Instagram is the place to go. Okay. And I've got highlights saved from all these parks that I went to last year. Right on, um, yeah. So, um, so yeah, headalongwithheart.com at Head Along With Heart on Instagram, and I also have a Facebook page that I'm working on okay. um, that's just Head Along With Heart. It might be Head Along With Heart blog, but I think it's just Head Along With Heart. How did you come up with Head Along With Heart? <laughs> um, it's from a Mumford & Sons song. Okay. Um, the song I Will Wait by Mumford & Sons, they have a line um, that is, I'll be bold as well as strong and use my head alongside my heart. So that's where that came from. I love so, it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's probably a good place to end right there. Yeah. Anything you want to uh, cap it off with? Um, visit at least one national park in your lifetime, and even if you don't want to, do it because it's worth it. And even if you're scared and you have travel anxiety, do it because it's worth it. Well, what kind of expense can someone look, uh, um, look if at? If you're camping, you're looking at $20 a night and uh, the gas to get there, honestly. Um, so, And from Atlanta, if you're in the Atlanta area... No cost to get into the park... Well, um, Great Smoky Mountains is free, so if you're driving from Atlanta to the Smokies, you could do that in a weekend. It's a three-hour drive. Um, the campgrounds are $20 a night, and you don't have a cost to get into the park. And the other closest park to here is Congaree National Park in South Carolina, which is a um, like a floodplain. Um, it's the oldest growth forest on the East Coast. And um, it looks like a swamp because it's swampy, but it's not actually a swamp because it's not flooded year-round. Um, it's a great place for kayaking, and they do have some short trails there. Also doesn't have an entrance fee, and I think the camping there is only like $10 a night, and it's a four-hour drive. So reasonable. Is there, yeah. is, is there a better side of the country you, you prefer? No. No? I don't think so. Um, the, the West Coast, if you're on the Internet, you're going to see way more pictures of the West Coast than you do of the East but we have the dry tortugas and the Everglades. And I mean, the Smokies gets double the visitation of uh, the Grand Canyon. Um, and then we've got Shenandoah and we've got Acadia and we've got Isle Royal. We've got great parks over here. to keep you busy. Oh yeah. Um, it's definitely, we definitely don't have nearly as many as they have in like California and Utah and things like that. Mm -hmm. But um, I think Easier that- Easier access? Um, probably easy, easy access to both, but a lot of the parks on this side of the country aren't quite as visited, so you're not going to be waiting in the crazy lines to get in, mm -hmm. um, as you are in like Zion and the Grand Canyon and Rocky Mountain and parks like that. So I definitely love those parks too, mm -hmm. but I think that, um, not enough is said about our parks on the East Coast. Well, I'll be anxious to hear once you've completed like all of them or when yeah. you get down to the wire. Get I'm getting some, there. Uh, see how you're. <laughs> Your, your view on different parks changes if you have a new favorite or, yeah. or whatever. I'm sure sure you may. Yeah. You know, so, Michelle, thanks so much for, for attending the Play More podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. World headquarters. Yeah. <laughs> and I uh, uh, appreciate it. And uh, get, truly, you are playing more. And that's why we started this, con this podcast. I love chatting with you in the store when you're getting your gear. I hope they were warm enough. Yeah, my snow pants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were amazing. I don't know how I went so long without them. <laughs> oh, good, good. I, I was like, oh man, she's going out west. I hope these are yeah. hard enough. <laughs> well, good. Well, again, thanks a lot. Thanks, uh, listeners. And we'll see you. Uh, wow, we've got a, another podcast coming this Friday. Uh, really excited to talk to a, a gentleman, talk about his early days in the 50s, caddying. So uh, we'll get into that. But uh, thank you.
Thank you. All right. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. All right. Hey, I hope you enjoyed the show. Again, this has been brought to you by Play It Again Sports in Kennesaw. And if you like the Play More podcast, just please do us a favor. Uh, subscribe. Uh, you can rate and review it. Share it with anyone you think might like it. Uh, don't forget, you can always email the show at surferj1 at gmail.com. That's S-U-R-F-E-R-J-A-Y, the number one, at gmail.com. And I'll reply. Also, you can check us out on Instagram at P-I-A Sports Kennesaw. Uh, so, just go take care of yourself and be strong, safe, less vulnerable, and be able to do the things you want to do. And play more.